Good morning, people of God. This is Apostle Shirley Evans again this morning with a word from the Lord, a prophetic word from the Holy Spirit and also prophetic songs from the Holy Spirit. Today being September 23rd, 2020. Today is Wednesday and the time is 10.41 a.m. Wednesday came quickly, but time moves on. Don't let us get stuck in time. And God is a changing God. So he certainly has done a changing this morning. And I will let you know what the changes he's done. In the meantime, Father, help us to listen to your voice, to hear you speak not to be stuck into what you spoke to us a month ago, but listen again for your voice speaking today, now, in this moment. So the, here's the songs. The first one I'm gonna sing is The Highest Place. We place you on the highest place for you are the great high priest we place you high above all and we come to you and worship at your feet we place you on the highest place for you are the great high priest we place you high above all else and we come to you and worship at your feet you are my hiding place you are my hiding place you always fill my heart with songs of deliverance whenever i am afraid i will trust in you i will trust in you let the weak say i am strong in the strength of the lord i will trust in you i will trust in you 
Let the weak say I am strong in the strength of the Lord. Let us continue to know that we know that he is our hiding place. And whenever we have a problem, we can go to him because he is our hiding place. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes, illumine me. Spirit divine, open my eyes that I, open my ears that I may hear voices of truth thou sendest clear and while the wave nods fall on my ear everything falls will disappear silently now i wait for thee ready my god thy will to see Open my ears, illumine me, Spirit divine. Let me sing that second verse again. Open my ears that I may hear voices of truth thou sendest clear, and while the wave notes fall on my air everything falls will disappear silently now i wait for thee ready my god thy will to hear open my ears illumine me Spirit divine, open my mouth and let it bear gladly the warm truth everywhere. Open my heart and let me prepare love with thy children thus to share. Silently now I wait for thee, ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my heart, illumine me, Spirit divine. And we bless, bless the Lord today for what he's doing. 
Give me the Bible, holy lesson. We're going to sing, give me the Bible. I'm going to find it because the Holy Spirit is dropping it out in my spirit. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, to cheer the wanderer, lone and tempest-tossed. No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming, since Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Give me the Bible, holy message shining, Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining, till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible when my heart is broken, when sin and grief have filled my soul with fear. Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken. Hold up faith's lamp to show my Savior near. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining, till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible, all my steps enlighten, teach me the danger of these realms below, that lamp of safety or the gloom shall brighten that light alone the path of peace can show give me the bible holy message shining thy light shall guide me in the narrow way precept and promise law and love combining Till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible. And of course, we had been studying from Matthew. And I don't know about you, but I just got excited studying from the book of Matthew. And this morning, we were supposed to be studying from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. But seeing that God is a moving God, and we have to hear his voice and do accordingly, there could be a month come and all we have is sunshine. And suddenly, the month has shifted into the next month, and we begin with rain. So we have rain for two days, and the next day we think, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. No, but it doesn't rain tomorrow. God shifts it into sunshine. We can have seasons where there's seasons of, of, of winter, and then he shifts it to seasons of spring and summer and autumn. We are in the shift. Because four days ago, the Holy Spirit said, yeah, we are in the shift. 
And now the shift is really, we have no more summer, not now. We are shifting into the autumn. So therefore shifting into the autumn, we have to know we're shifting. And when it gets cooler, do you keep on summer clothes? No, you will make yourself sick. Here it is. God has shifted our message this morning. And the shifting, it is so plain. Um, I couldn't go back to Matthew, not today, because he shifted it. He shifted it in giving me a dream where I saw a whole hundreds of men on the sidewalk. And they were on the sidewalk. Many other people were on the sidewalk, but they were mostly men. <clears throat> I began to minister to them one by one. A woman said to me, but don't you know that they're adulterous men? And don't you know? And don't you know? I said, well, I still have to teach them and minister to them. So next thing I know, they went into this long limousine packed in there and drove away. The scene changed and I'm in a big, huge church packed in the capacity with men, women and children. I'm standing there teaching and suddenly I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, go in the congregation and speak to each man individually. And so I did. And as I did that, the minds of the men were regulated and transformed. And those men had no relationship with their wives, even though they did have a wife. The wives was in the congregation. And as I ministered and, and taught one man, he would move from his position and he would go and connect with his wife and children because his, his mind, God had done the transformation in his mind to restore his mind into the godly way. So I did that to all of the different men and the, she, the scene shifted. And then I, now I see the children coming home and, and the parents having to make space for the children space as of if there was only one bed in the room they had to put bunk beds to make space for the children but this particular uh, child had come to the gate the gate was locked and but she was bleeding on her feet and i realized that she had hurt her feet at the gate and she was loaded down with everything you can think of on her back and i said no you have to leave that stuff outside of the gate and come I brought her in and I, and I said, okay, now you go in there and you can clean up and the clothes that you have on, I will throw in the washing machine and wash and make room for you. Put another bunk bed in there. So here it is. I come out of these dreams. I'm sitting on my bed and God began to speak to me. He began to speak to me and he began to say, um, Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. God is so awesome. He began to say that he's getting ready to turn the hearts of the fathers. I will give you a scripture that he gave me. He says, Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So there is a great and dreadful day of the Lord coming. He says, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 
on Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2, I will go from verse 4. I will go from Malachi chapter 4. The Lord's day is coming. Verse 1 says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, said the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do, it, do this, said the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, sitting on my bed, that is what he gave me. So now I waited in there, and I'm about to come towards my prayer room to send you the message continuing Matthew yesterday. As soon as I hit the prayer room, he gives me the song, gave me the Bible. When I stepped and went and sat down, and I opened up the Bible, he certainly didn't give me what he spoke to me in the room. He gave me Hosea. The word Jose means salvation. Hmm. And so this is what he's speaking about this morning. He shifted. But you have to be open to the shift. If you're not open to the shift, you'll be stuck in the past. God is a moving God. God is a suddenly God. So suddenly, he comes with a shift. He's about to save a whole lot of people. He's about to fix and regulate the minds of the people to get an alignment to the will of God to go and win souls, no matter what. So, Jose, we're talking about him. Jose was God's prophet. Could you imagine that Jose is going to tell, gonna go, he's gonna listen to God and marry a woman that is unfaithful? Well, I wanna read Jose chapter one and I will stop as far as verse 11. Jose chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. The word of the Lord that came unto Jose, the son of Biri, in the days of Uzziah, 
Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jer Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land had committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Goma, the daughter of Deblame, which conceived and bare him a son. He marries a whorish woman. Let's put it that way. She was a prostitute. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, the baby, the son, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bare a daughter, and God said unto him, Call her name lo ru For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, and will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo-Ru-Amah, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, Call his name Lo-Ami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass, that in a place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are not the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Now Hosea. Who was Hosea? Well, according to this, this my Bible here, it says that, Hosea is the first book of what the Hebrews call the Twelve, or what is otherwise known as the Minor Prophets. The name Hosea means salvation. There is very little known about him other than, than what is contained in his prophecy, judging by the time period of the kings during whose reigns he prophesied. The prophecies of Amos, a younger contemporary, are closely related to those of Hosea. Their ministries were different, however, in that Hosea was a native of the northern kingdom and Amos was a Judean who journeyed to Israel to prophesy. Hosea was called to exemplify the relationship between God and Israel through his marriage to a harlot, while Amos was sent by the Lord to pronounce judgment upon the rebellious people of Israel. So, Hosea began prophesying at the end of the period of material prosperity under King Jeroboam. We've got the same thing about prosperity preachers. 
Unfortunately, however, during most of Hosea's lifetime, the people were spiritually bankrupt. You could have a lot of money, but still spiritually bankrupt. Their leaders permitted them to practice idolatry and commit spiritual harlotry against the Lord. They refused to recognize that God had provided them with the wealth that they possessed. In fact, they attributed their prosperity to the idols. The people had become covetous and greedy, oppressing those who were least able to defend themselves. Despite the punishment that God promised to bring upon them, there is a strong attitude of hope that is evident throughout the book. Just as Jose brought back his unfaithful wife, Israel will be redeemed by God in the last days. So here we are. His ministry. Here he is. The Lord said to him, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred food. Could you imagine now all the groomsmen standing at attention lying off? As the music swells and the bride begins a long walk down the aisle, arm in arm with her father, the smiling but nervous husband to be, to be, follows every step, his eyes brimming with love, excitement. Then happy tears are shed, vows stated and families merged. A wedding is a joyous celebration of love. It is the holy mystery of two becoming one, of beginning life together and of commitment. Marriage is ordained by God and illustrates his relationship with his people. Thus, there is perhaps no greater tragedy than the violation of those sacred vows. God told Jose to find a wife and told him ahead of time that she would be unfaithful to him. It's not that Jose was in the dark. God told him to find a wife and he told him ahead of time that she would be unfaithful to him. Although she would bear many children, some of these offspring would be fathered by others. He already told Jose. In obedience to God, Jose married Gomana. That's what you call real obedience. In obedience to God, Jose married Goma. His relationship with her, her, her adultery, and their children became living prophetic examples to Israel. So the book of Jose is a love story, real, tragic, and true. Transcending the tale of young man and wife, it tells of God's love for his people and the response of his bride. A covenant had been made and God had been faithful. His love was steadfast and his commitment unbroken. But Israel, like Goma, was adulterous and unfaithful, spurning God's love and turning instead to false gods. Then after warning of judgment, God reaffirmed his love and offered reconciliation. His love and mercy were overflowing, but justice would be served. We turn away from God, 
God sent Jesus to reconcile us back to the Father. That's love. This book begins with marriage, with God's marriage instruction to Hosea. But after Hosea's marriage, children were born and each were given a name signifying a divine message. Then as predicted, Goma left Hosea to pursue her lusts in chapter two. But Hosea, whose name means salvation, found us. Jesus will find us because he's the savior. He will look for us. He will find us. So, Jose, whose name means salvation, found his wife, redeemed her, paid for her, brought her back home again, fully reconciled her back. Chapter 3, images of God's love, judgment, grace, and mercy were woven into their relationship. Next, God outlined his case against the people of Israel. Their sins would ultimately cause their destruction and would rouse his anger. So what is happening in the world today? Because of the stench of the sin has gone up to his nostril, it caused him to be angry. And it results in punishment. But even in the midst of Israel's immorality, God was merciful. So even in our immorality, God is still merciful and putting out his hand of mercy to us. God was merciful and offered hope, expressing his infinite love for his people. And the fact that their repentance would bring about blessings. So when we turn and repent, that's when the blessings come. So... Here is a prophet who totally submitted himself willing to, willingly to the Lord's direction. Could you imagine? Sometimes God tells you some things which don't make any sense. But if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land, the word of God says. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. But I believe that Jose was given the grace, <laughs> the fortitude, and because he was a, an obedient prophet, he knew what he was going to get into. God had already told him, but he obeyed God. So let us, like, like, like Jose, reaffirm our commitment to being God's person, to being faithful in your love, and true to your vows. Chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. Hosea was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. He served from 753 to 715 BC under the reign of, reign of Jeroboam the second. The northern kingdom had prospered materially, but had decayed spiritually, like that's what's going on in the world. 
our spiritual walk is in decay. A lot of people, they have a lot of material uh, wealth, but spiritually they're bankrupt. The people were greedy and had adopted the moral behavior and idolatrous religion of the surrounding Canaanites. Hosea's role was to show how the northern kingdom had been unfaithful to God, their husband and provider. God is our husband and God is our provider. And had married themselves to Baal and the gods of Canaan. He warned that unless they repented of their sin and turned back to God, they were headed for destruction. Jose spoke of God's characteristics, his powerful love and fierce justice, and how their practical experience of these should affect their lives and make them return to God. Unfortunately, the people had broken their covenant with God, and they would receive the punishments God had promised. So a lot of time when you see people being punished, realize that they have broken their covenant. They've turned back for other gods. But God is right there wooing them, saying, no, come back, come back. But they head in the wrong direction, and then the punishment of God comes upon them. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2 to 3, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Did God really order his prophet to marry a woman who would commit adultery? Some who find it difficult to believe God would make such a request view this strong as an illustration, not an historical event. Many, however, think the story is historical and give one of these explanations. According to God's law, a priest could not marry a prostitute or a divorced woman. Leviticus 21 and 7. However, Jose was not a priest. It is possible that Gomer was not an adulterous woman when Jose married her, and that God was letting Jose know that Gomer would later turn to adultery and prostitution. In any case, Jose knew ahead of time that his wife would be unfaithful and their married life would become a living object lesson to the adulterous northern kingdom. Jose's marriage to an unfaithful woman would illustrate God's relationship to the unfaithful nation of Israel. Look at God. Look at us. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Look at him. He married us unfaithful. It is difficult to imagine Jose's feelings when God told him to marry a woman who would be unfaithful to him. He may not have wanted to do it, but he obeyed God. God often required extraordinary obedience from his prophets who were facing extraordinary times. 
God may ask you to do something difficult and extraordinary. He might. I remember when he asked me to go to U.S. Virgin Islands, they had just experienced a, not a tornado, an earthquake. But I went, had to sleep on the floor with no, no windows, three slots. And if I turned to the right too much, I'd end up in the, in the well, in the closet. You could imagine you coming out your house, your clean bed, your clean house, but God is sending you to a ravished place where nothing to eat and all of that. Boil cassava. If you never ate it before, you ate it then. It's called obedience. God may ask you to do something difficult and extraordinary too. If he does, how will you respond? Will you obey him? Trusting that he he know he knows everything and has a special purpose for his request. Will you be able to accept the fact that the pain involved in obedience may benefit those you serve and not you personally? Verse four. Then the Lord said to Jose, call him Jezreel after she had the son, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre of Jezreel and I will put and end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Elijah had predicted that the family of Israel's king Ahab would be destroyed because of their wickedness. First Kings chapter 20 verse 22. First Kings chapter 20. First Kings chapter 21, verse 20 to 22. It was a... And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee, and will take away thy posterity, and will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel. And will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. But Jehu went too far in carrying out God's command. Second Kings chapter 10, verse 111. Second Kings chapter 10, verse 1. And Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria, and Jehu wrote letters and sent to Samaria unto the rulers of Jezreel to the elders and to them that brought up Ahab's children saying now as soon as this letter cometh to you seeing your master's sons are with you and there are with you chariots and horses 
a fan city also and armor. Look even out the best and, and meetest of your master's sons and set him on his father's throne and fight for your master's house. But they were exceedingly afraid and said, Behold, two kings stood not before him. How then shall we stand? And he that was over the house and he that was over the city, the elders also, and bring us up of the children, sent to Jehu, saying, We are thy servants and will do all that thou shalt bid us. We will not make any king. Do thou that which is good in thine eyes. Then he wrote a letter the second time to them, saying, If ye be mine, mine, and if ye will hearken unto my voice, take ye the heads of the men, your master's sons, and come to me to Jezreel by tomorrow this time. Now the king's sons, being seventy persons, were with the great men of the city, which brought them up. And it came to pass, when the letter came to them, that they took the king's sons and slew seventy persons and put their heads in baskets and went and sent him them to Jezreel. And there came a messenger and told him, saying, They have brought the heads of the king's sons and said, Lay ye them in two heaps at the entering of the gate until the morning. And it came to pass in the morning that he went out and stood and said to all the people, Ye be righteous, behold, I conspired against my master, and slew him. But who slew all these? Know now that there shall fall upon the earth nothing of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab. For the Lord had done that which he spake by his servant Elijah. So Jehu slew all that remained of the house of Ahab to Je in Jezreel, and all has his great men, and his kinsfolk, and his priests, until he left him, none remaining wicked. Therefore Jehu's dynasty would also be punished in the valley of Jezreel, the very place where he carried out the massacre of Ahab's family. God's promise to put an end to Israel as an independent kingdom, break Israel's bow came through 25 years later with, when the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom and carried the people into captivity. Hosea chapter 1 verse 6 to 8 says, Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer show love to the house of Israel, that I should not at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but by the Lord their God. After she had reigned lo, Ruhama, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo-Ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. In verse 1, in chapter 1, verse 3, we read that Gomer bore him a son. That that was Hosea's son. In, verse, in chapter 1, verse 6 and one chapter 1, verse 8, we learn that Gomer gave birth to two more children. But there is no indication that Hosea was their natural father. 
because she was out there on the block. Whether or not the children were Jose's, the key to this part of the story is found in the names God chose for the children, showing his reaction to Israel's unfaithfulness. God's reaction to unfaithfulness is no different today. He wants our complete devotion. Verse 7. God said he would personally rescue the people of Judah from their enemies with no help from their armies or weapons. Although God asks us to do our part, we should remember that he is not limited to human effort. God often chooses to work through people, but only because it is good for them. He can accomplish all his purposes without any help from us if he chooses. You're very important to God, but on your own, you have neither the ability to fulfill nor the power to disrupt God's plans. Here, God was in essence dissolving the covenant. The name of the third child conveys the finality of God's judgment. God's warnings re recorded in Deuteronomy 28:15-68 were beginning to come true. Israel was abandoning God, and in turn, he was leaving them alone and without his blessings. Don't let us abandon God. If we abandon God, he will try to woo us back. But when we continue, he would just leave us no blessings. The Old Testament prophetic books sometimes use the word Israelites to refer to the people of the United Kingdom, North and South, and sometimes just as to the Northern Kingdom. In talking about past events, Jose usually thought of Israel as the Northern Kingdom with its capital in Samaria. But when Jose spoke about future events relating to God's promises of restoration, it is difficult to understand his words as applying only to the Northern Kingdom because the exiled Northerners would become hopelessly intermingled with their conquerors. God wants to restore us, but we must choose to return to God. And if we don't, we will not be entitled to God's blessings. If we don't, we won't be entitled to God's restoration. Just as I saw in a vision, God restoring the minds of the men. God's promises of restoration has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And therefore the church, the new Israel, receives his blessings. Romans chapter 9, verse 25 and 26. Romans 9, 25 and 26. As he said also in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved, 
And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. There are a whole lot of people out there that we are looking down on. They don't know the Lord. They have wandered so far away from God. But God is going and seeking them, bringing them in, restoring them, saving them. And those are the people you say they ain't belong to God. He's about to put his spirit inside of them, save them, restore them. And they will be called the children of the living God. And only God can do that. First Peter chapter 2 verse 10. First Peter chapter 2 verse 10 says, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So a lot of old people, young people, people who look as if there's no hope for them. God is saying, in time past they were not a people, but now are they the people of God. Why? Because of the transformation. Because he's now lured them like a fisherman goes out to catch the fish. God is about to save his people because of his mercy. Just as the other children's names carried significance, so did Jezreel in verse 4. The name depicts divine judgment. Here it represents the scattering. The name means God scatters. In a scripture in the Old Testament it says, I will scatter my people and put them in new pastures and give them pastures after mine own heart who will teach them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. The name Jezreel meant God scatters. Here it represents the scattering a farmer does when he plants seeds. This was a sign of a new day and a new relationship between God and Israel. I believe what is happening now, even as God shifted me to this message this morning, Hear me what I believe that God is doing. He's shifting. He's shifting. God is taking out the stony heart of the people. Putting in a heart of flesh and putting in a new spirit. God is restoring broken relationship with God. There are a lot of people who had surrendered their life to the Lord Jesus because, but because of the things in the world, things of the flesh, they turned back because they figured that this is just too hard for us. And they turned back in the things of the world. Now God is going searching, searching for them. 
The Holy Spirit is searching for them, transforming their mind, pulling out the things of the world out of their minds, spiritually turning them towards God, the things of God. And there they are, the new man. You're going to be shocked and you'll be like, what? He changed? You mean he's been restored to his family? You're going to say it could only be God who did it. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, even as Jose's wayward wife, even as we are the bride of Christ, and even as we go wayward, totally off track, God, we thank you that you're searching, you're bringing us back to you. You're going to save us. It's because of your love and your mercy. Your mercy is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And even as Jose, with his wayward wife, he was commanded by God to marry a woman who was unfaithful in marriage. Here is God sent Jesus down to love us even though he knew that we would be sinners. And, and God would cause him, Jose, many heartaches. How many times have we caused God many heartaches? But just as Goma lost interest in Jose and ran after other lovers, we too can easily lose appreciation for our special relationship with God and pursue dreams and goals that do not include God. When we compromise our Christian lifestyles and adopt the ways of the world, we are being unfaithful just like Goma. God's wayward people. God wanted the people in the northern kingdom to turn from their sin and return to worshiping him alone. God want us to return to worshiping God alone. Not cars and boats and houses and all of this. Yeah, it's okay if he blesses, but don't make it idle. But they persisted in their wickedness. Help us, Jesus, to turn from our wicked ways. Throughout this book of, of uh, 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 Jose, Israel is described as ignorant of God with no desire to please him. Lord, help us to please you. Sometimes we don't understand God at all. Just as Goma did not understand Jose. But like a loving husband, the father, like a loving husband or patient father, 
God wants us people to know him and to turn to him daily. Help us, Lord. Because we don't want God's judgment. Because God's judgment, we don't want it. Because when we fall under that, disaster surely follows ingratitude toward God. Don't let us be ungrateful. Don't let us be rebellion against God. God is our only refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. If we harden our hearts against him, there is no safety or security anywhere else. We cannot escape God's judgment. Let us draw on God's love. Just as Jose went after his unfaithful wife to bring her back to the Lord, so the Lord pursues us with his love. His love is tender. His love is loyal. His love is ever unchanging, undying. No matter what, God still loves us. Have you forgotten God and become disloyal to him? Please, don't ever let prosperity diminish your love for him or let success blind you to your need for his love. We need, we need him. But look at God. He's getting ready to restore us. So though God disciplines us for sin, he encourages and restores those who have repented. Once you repent, he's going to restore you. But true repentance opens the way to a new beginning. God forgives and God restores. So there is still hope for those who turn back to God. No loyalty, achievement, or honor can be compared to loving God. Turn to the Lord while the offer is still good. No matter how far you have strayed, God is willing to bring you back. So, going into that dream I had last night, God is going to restore his people. The enemy has their minds distorted, but God now is restoring them. And listen, be focused on God. Don't mind the things, the terrible things that is happening. Because if you keep your eyes focused on the terrible things that is about to happen in this world, you will draw back. Don't please, don't draw back. Keep focused. God will protect you. He loves you. He loves you. And so, Father, today, let us be in the numbers that you're restoring back to the Father. That's how much you love us. And Father, I pray that your grace, your love, and your mercy will continue to guard our hearts and minds. I ask you to keep the people who are going to receive this word safe today.
in the name of Jesus. Letting them know, yes, this is restoration time. And you're going to turn the hearts of the fathers, the children, and the children to the fathers, and the fathers to God. And you're going to restore them. Make me whole. Make me whole. Please restore my soul. And make me whole. Here's my heart. Here's my soul. Please restore my soul. And make me whole. God bless you. Have a blessed day. And I love you.